Welcome to episode 264 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get your free electrolytes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 264 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And... Before I say, how are you today, Jen? So people, I think we might have announced this before this episode airs, so people might be familiar. Today is a special, sad... It's bittersweet, right? Is that the the right word for it? Yes. Yeah. That people might have heard about it on... As of the, the day the episode comes out on maybe Instagram or in your Facebook group or in my group, but... For some people who just only listen, this might be the first time they're going to hear it. Yes. So 
Jen. I know. We, we haven't rehearsed this. We haven't talked about it. Normally, I'm a planner, so normally I have everything planned out. But Jen will be leaving the podcast. Yep. This is my last episode. This is the last one. And it isn't anything like there's not like a giant reason. I just all of a sudden felt like it was time for me to go in a different direction. And and that's all. I've loved this podcast. We've been, you may have, if you listened last week, we were reflecting on, and I, you know, we already knew we've been talking about this. Gosh, has it been about a month that we've been talking about it and planning for the transition? Mm-hmm, probably. Probably, some, maybe even a little bit longer than that. But, you know, reflecting on five years. So last week, talking about the five years and all the positives and how grateful I am for this, this experience for all the listeners, whether you've been there since you know, 2017, or whether you this is the first time you've listened to everyone in between. You know, I'm grateful for every minute of of this podcast and for everything for you, Melanie. You know, it's funny. And I know we've talked about how we met when you came into the Facebook group. I think we talked about that last week. But, you know, the universe works in a mysterious way. The very week before you popped into the the group asking if anyone wanted to start a podcast. Do you remember that the very week before was the first time I'd ever been a guest on a podcast? Do you remember me telling you that story? Yeah. I had never been a guest on the on anybody's podcast before. I didn't listen to podcasts, which everyone knows. And someone who had been in my Facebook group had started a podcast. I can't even remember the name of that podcast. I think it was political. I don't even know. But he's like, would you talk about fasting? I'm like, sure, why not? And it went really, really well. And I remember I was talking to my sister, and I'm like, I'm kind of good at this. I I wonder if I could do a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I didn't know how to do a podcast. And the very next week, you popped in there asking if anyone wanted to co-host a podcast. So it felt like divine intervention. And, you know, I wouldn't have intermittent fasting stories. We wouldn't have life lessons if it hadn't been for you showing up that day. I mean, I I might think that maybe one day I would have— done it, but I, d- I didn't know enough about doing a podcast, I don't think I would have. So I owe it all to you and the divine timing of you popping in there that day. It's so crazy. And and for me, I had been wanting to do a podcast for years, like literally probably years, really years. I mean, I've probably been wanting to do a podcast since I started listening to podcasts in middle school. I remember you saying that. You've said that before. Yeah. I'd wanted to do an intermittent fasting podcast specifically, probably, we launched this in 2017, right? So probably since 2014 or so, I'd wanted to do this. I am so, so grateful as well because, I mean, what I just said, wanting to do this, what manifest is literally the dream manifestation of what I'd always hoped for. And I don't know, but I don't know if that would have been possible without you. I'm so grateful for our friendship and what we've created and five years. Yeah, all of that. Me too. All of it. It's been really, really wonderful. It's been, I feel like it's been for both of us. I mean, it sort of really launched both of us into like the social media world more and, you know, everything that we're doing now, not that it's due to this at all, but this was definitely, at least for me, a catalyst for so many things. Well, it was huge. It was huge because, you know, getting getting our message out there, mine and yours, the podcast, and people found us all different ways. Some people found us through the Facebook groups. Some people found us through, 
you know, maybe they read What Went Wine or Delayed on Deny or Fast Feast Repeat, or maybe they found us through this podcast. But it all works together. Maybe they found us on Instagram, although probably not me. <laughs> they probably didn't find me on Instagram. <laughs> not me. Not me in the beginning. <laughs> Here I am. Here's my cat. <laughs> anyway, it all just really worked together. And it's just been a beautiful journey. And I'm really, really grateful for it. Like I said, so if anybody who's listening and you're sad, don't be sad. I'm not going anywhere in the world. I'm still going to be everywhere I am right now. And, you know, if you want to follow the ins and outs of my life, it's not going to be Instagram because that's I'm pretty boring there. But, you know, the Life Lessons podcast every Wednesday, I'll still be talking to Sherry. If you're not a Life Lessons listener, you, you might like it. It's not about fasting. We really love, you know, talking about all the different topics on that show. Just like I know you love the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast that, where you get to talk about all sorts of different things. It's fun to explore different topics sometimes. Yeah, I think, and also just stepping back because both of us were doing so many things. And so um, I think for this show, it was just a moment, like with you and everything that you're doing, it just didn't really line up with everything that you were doing moving forward. I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way of saying it. And like I said, it just felt like it was time to go in a different direction. I've always been a very intuitive kind of, like I make my decisions, like I think about something, but then it just feels right. So just all of a sudden, it just felt right. I don't know. It's hard to explain. But it it doesn't take away from how amazing this journey has been with this podcast and how grateful I am, like I said, to the audience, to you, to our wonderful assistants who make it happen week after week behind the scenes. I'm grateful for every little bit of it, everything we've learned. You know, we've learned a lot along the way. I mean, it's what's really crazy is, I don't know if I ever mentioned this publicly on the show, but when we started, I had just moved to Atlanta too, I think. Right? Maybe so. I f- Oh, no, 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 no. I moved to Atlanta in 2014. Okay. You might have been just about to move back to LA. Yeah, that's right. So it's like Atlanta, LA, back to Atlanta. That's correct. So, well, the guy I had been dating in LA before moving to Atlanta was an author and a podcaster. So he was my mentor and able to tell me basically exactly what to do. But it's confusing. Like, if you haven't done it before, it's like, it's just confusing. It's so confusing. I bought the book Podcasting for Dummies when I was going to start Intermittent Fasting Stories because even though I had been a co-host with you on this one for over a year at that point, I didn't know how to do all the stuff you did. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how because you were doing all of that. I didn't know anything or like, how do you upload it? What's a host? I don't know. And I got the book Podcasting for Dummies and I'm like, I'm so dumb. I can't even understand it from this book. So that was when I was like, wait, I can hire a company. And that's how I ended up with Resonate Recordings. They helped me. Well, yeah, because what's funny about it, so I think, you know, every other platform, you know, like YouTube, Instagram, you go into a platform and you create the content within the platform. It's like a one-stop shop. Podcasting, for those who are not familiar, it's very vague. Like, like, Like there's lots of hosts and then you have this feed that you submit to the distribution channels, but it sort of automatically submits, but not. It's like, it's weird. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even know. And the editing, I'm like, I don't know how to edit audio. I don't think I'd be good at that. I mean, maybe I would. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I was at the beginning, I was editing it. All of it. You did all of it for a long time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if listeners are curious, I was so neurotic 
in the very beginning because we released our first few episodes and I was, I would go read iTunes reviews and people would be nitpicking things, making comments about my voice or my laugh. I, I actually, I think I probably told you this, Jen. I don't know. Did I tell you what I was doing with my laugh? No. I went through a period in the beginning. Somebody wrote a comment about how they didn't like my laugh. So I would edit out my laugh. Oh my gosh. What a jerk who said that. Whoever doesn't like your laugh, I don't like their laugh. They're like, it makes her sound like a valley girl or something. (laughs) I'm very grateful I finally reached the point where it was like, if you don't like the laugh, pick a different podcast, buddy. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to be me. This is my laugh. Yeah. I remember at one point, I don't know if it was that show or for my other show, somebody emailed me to tell me that, uh, what did they say? They said that I might have also been about my laugh. It was something about something I do after I ask a question to guests. I do something and they were like, I don't know if they were saying it out of kindness, but they basically said, I know you're a really strong, intelligent woman, but you do this thing that makes you sound like not intelligent. That was the moment where I, and I answered her very nicely, but that was the moment where I was like, I can't, like, I I can't be in my head while I'm recording with somebody thinking about how I'm coming off. I just have to be there. Yeah. A hundred percent. You learn a lot. You do learn a lot. And that's why I've never been a review reader. (laughs) I don't read them because I'm like, you know, you know who Glennon Doyle is? What do they write? She had a blog called Mama Story or something that I read back. It was a long time ago. And she's a blogger. And now she has a podcast. And she put something out that it was a blog post. And it was early in the days of when I had just released Delayed on Deny. And I used to read all my reviews and they would hurt my feelings. And someone and I would try to answer them. Like someone said, delayed on deny was plagiarized. I'm like, what in the world? It's like, <laughs> then somebody else was like, delayed on deny is just this girl's memoir. I'm like, how can it be plagiarized and just my memoir? That doesn't even make sense. I mean, there was no, pl- I, I have a doctorate. I wrote a dissertation. I know how to not plagiarize. There's nothing plagiarized there. Anyway, I would get mad at the reviews when they would say things that were clearly not true. This blog post by Glennon Doyle, she talked about how it is not our responsibility to follow our art around in the world and defend it. This is for any creator, anyone who's creating anything. She wrote it to a literal artist who put art out in the world and had a website with her art, and people would criticize or critique her art, and then the artist would get her feelings hurt and whatever. She's like, no, you create the art, you put it out there, your part is done. It is not your job, but the way she said it, it is not your responsibility to babysit your art and follow it around in the world and defend it. And I thought, well, there you go. That can also apply to the artist, I think. You don't have to defend yourself. Part of the art. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. But you don't have to defend it. It is what it is. Our art, you know, our words, our writing, it is what it is. And It'll either resonate with you or it won't. That is not my responsibility. I did the best I could. I put it out there. I love that. Yeah. That's been my philosophy. Literally, Glennon Doyle, I don't know if she knows if I exist, but (laughs) I know she exists. And that really shaped my resilience when it came to not even needing to read a review. The thing that really shaped, or it's been more recent, but um, I had Bill Tanser on the Biohacking Podcast, and he wrote a book called Everyone's a Critic. And if anybody has created anything where they are dealing with reviews, I highly, highly suggest reading that book. It's an entire book about reviews and how actually negative reviews can actually help. Like you actually want some negative reviews if you have like a collection of reviews for something. It makes people 
less suspicious of the reviews. It makes people more trusting. And he goes into ver- the nuances, which you can probably guess this, Jen. So the grammar of the reviews affects things. Well, I feel like if it's got really poor grammar, you might not take it as seriously. Is that true? Or is it the opposite? It, it, that's true. So that if there are negative reviews that are, you know, poor grammar and things like that, people sort of dismiss them and think they're spam. It makes them more likely to trust the entirety of the reviews because they know they're negative reviews, but then they disregard the negative reviews. So it actually helps. So that's just one of the many fun facts in his book. Actually, speaking of reviews, <laughs> they do really, really help. And we have something sort of exciting that ties this all together because I do want to tell listeners about now they're probably wondering what's going to happen. We're not, we didn't notice we didn't say we are ending the podcast. This is the last episode. We did not say that because it's not. It's just my last episode as co host. When Jen and I were discussing this, we decided that I would continue with the show. So obviously, I don't want to have this show by myself. So I was looking for a co host and I'm really, really excited and really grateful because we have a wonderful co-host coming on board. And listeners are probably, I bet a lot of listeners are probably very familiar with her already. Yeah, I've had her on my show twice. How many times has she been on your show? Twice. See? (laughs) And I've met her in person. Yeah. Yeah, you have. And I've done an IG Live with her. She's very active in my groups. I want to play the guessing game with the audience, but I can't because they can't talk back. (laughs) I will tell you this. This is funny. I have a group of friends. They were moderators. It's just a few of them. We were the ones who were using the Biosense at the same time back in the day, whenever that was. We were a little Biosense group where we were talking about it, but now we're just talking about stuff. It's not even called Biosense anymore. But I said, y'all, I'm leaving the podcast. I just wanted to let y'all know because one of them very much listens to this podcast, and she was mentioning something she'd heard on it. And I'm like, well, I'm leaving it. And she said... And I'm like, there's going to be a new co-host. And I'm like, but I can't tell you. So I haven't told them who it was. But she guessed this person. She said, I think it's going to be. And then she said it. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you. <laughs> You'll just have to wait. Anyway, but she guessed the right person. So in the guessing game, there no one guessed anybody else, but it was this person was guessed. So what's really interesting is I had spoken with a few friends when I was brainstorming, trying to think of who to bring on. And two people, three people. I didn't get any other suggestions, but at least two people specifically suggested this person before I even said anything. I was like, oh, that's maybe a sign. Yeah. Oh, I think it is totally a sign. So the new co-host will be Cynthia Thurlow. For listeners who have not met her yet, you will be meeting her. I'll, I'll tell you that the upcoming schedule for everything, but she is the author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, a book that just came out that we have talked about actually a lot on this show. It's a fabulous intermittent fasting book. It's specifically geared towards women and specifically their hormones and transitions like perimenopause and menopause. It's a really, really wonderful work. She actually became famous in the intermittent fasting world, because I would say that she's famous in the intermittent fasting world. So she had a TED Talk in May of 2019 called Intermittent Fasting Transformational Technique, and it's had over 10 million views. And that really launched her into the whole IF world. She's a nurse practitioner. So that's going to be really exciting for the show. Jen and I get a lot of 
you know, more medical questions and we can give our opinions, but we're not doctors. <laughs> um, so she literally is in that vein. So, and none of this is to say that this is any better than what I have with Jen. It's just going to be different. So I'm, I'm really, really excited. And to keep everything, like I said, bring everything full circle. So Jen found the other day, I am so excited Again, I want to play the guessing game, but they can't talk back. She she found the first episode, the missing first episode for this show. And it's funny. It was in my email. I sorted my email between the two of us. I, I was like in the intermittent fasting email box that I've got, and I sorted it from oldest to newest because I wanted to look back, and I was actually looking for something else. I was looking for a different document, and apparently... <laughs> <laughs> Melanie had sent me the audio file for episode one after she edited it for me to listen to, and there it was. I'm like, what? That is so crazy. I, I didn't know I had that in my email. I, I didn't even know. I mean, email from 2017. You know Jen's excited when she emailed me and texted me at the same time to check my email. <laughs> I forwarded it. So I know that will be very, very exciting for listeners because we get questions all time about the mysterious missing episode number one, which I started listening to it. I actually need to finish listening to it. I told you this already, Jen, but we sound so young. I mean, I, I think I sound so much younger. Did you listen back? I did. I listened to it. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I just listened to a little bit of it. It's kind of like how Taylor Swift re-recording all of her music, you can tell her voice is like older. You can hear it in the voice. But so in any case, we're trying to decide what to do with it. We were thinking of releasing it as an episode, but instead we thought we would give it to the people who really, really want it and also help support the show with reviews and the transition. So if you would like to receive and listen to the mysterious missing episode number one, the first episode of this show, super easy. What you can do is if you've written a review for the show, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast on iTunes, take a screenshot of that. If you've already written one, you just need to update it because you can go and update your review to include this one piece of criteria, which I'm about to tell you, or you can write a new review and include this one piece of criteria that I'm about to tell you and take a screenshot of that and email it to us. So what what we'd love to see in the review is what you are looking forward to with Cynthia on board, what you'd like to learn from her, what you're excited about. We just would love to hear your thoughts on that. So that will help in so many ways. It will help us see, you know, what you're thinking with where the show is headed so we can incorporate that into the show. It'll help sort of welcome Cynthia uh, because she's definitely coming on to, you know, we've had this show for five years. So that's a, a big transition. And those reviews really do help so much. And then it helps us thank you for the reviews. And then you guys get to listen to mysterious episode number one. We'll actually directly email it to you. So to do that, send a screenshot of your updated old review or your new review to questions at ifpodcast.com and just make the subject iTunes review. Thank you in advance. Just speaking of gratitude and Jen had mentioned our assistance. So we do have a really, really wonderful team. It's not just me and Jen. I think that's another misconception about podcasts, Jen, that not that they're not a lot of work, but I don't think people realize that. Oh, there's a ton of details, ton of them. It's a job. So much to do. You have to check each episode. Someone has to listen to the whole thing after it's been edited. 
to make sure that it's that there's not anything weird. Like, for example, the most recent episode of Intermittent Fasting Stories that I have someone who listens to them and writes the show notes, there was some weird noise at a certain point in it. And so I had to send it back to the editor team and say, at this exact point, you got to take this weird noise out. So that's that's time. It takes so much time, all these things, from uploading to writing the show notes to everything. This show goes through like three check stages. So it goes to our main editors who edit it all together and add in the ads and stuff. And then it goes to our show note creator, Brianna. She edits it a little bit more and makes show notes. And then it goes to Tamara, who listens to it for what Jin just said to make sure that nothing slipped through. So we also have on our team, our assistant Sharon, and she actually just co-authored a book with Nancy. And I should have asked her how Nancy says her last name, Nancy Ducharma, Ducharma. It's D-U-C-H-A-R-M-E. Oh my goodness. So Sharon had sent me this book. It's called The Life Changer Cancer Fighting Cookbook. Learn how to improve the odds for a full recovery using this keto-based program. And I started reading it last night because I wanted to talk about it on the show and promote it on my socials. And it blew me away. (laughs) Um, It's incredible. If you have cancer, if you have friends or family with cancer, or if you just want to learn more about cancer, this book, I'm I'm so, so impressed and grateful with what they've created. It's very scientific, very nuanced. It dives really deep into the mechanics of cancer, things that affect it, things like HDAC inhibitors and genetics and ketones and specifically how a ketogenic diet can be a modality in fighting against cancer because Nancy's hypothesis is that when you treat cancer with just one modality, so like just chemotherapy or something like that, then there's the potential that cancer can adapt to that and actually grow stronger, that it can possibly be better to attack it from multiple avenues. And it was interesting because I'd actually just been listening to, uh, I don't know if it was a Peter Atia episode or something, and the person there was was talking about the same concept. So she talks about the importance of diet and making sure that you're following a diet that is sort of constantly supporting your fight in cancer. And this is a cookbook because she has another book called Life Changer, How to Starve Cancer Using Metabolic Strategies and Deep Therapeutic Ketosis. So that's the deeper dive into the science of all of it. This is her follow-up cookbook, which like I said, approachably and briefly recaps the science and the reasoning and the game plan. And then it has the recipes created by Sharon, which just look amazing. So definitely, definitely get this book. I cannot recommend it enough. We will put a link to it in the show notes. So congrats, Sharon and Nancy. You've done a really, really wonderful, beautiful job. So I did want to plug that. So we were debating on if we were going to do anything else, quote, special for this episode. But we decided, you know, just have our our normal episode like per usual. Although I will say there was one that I was like, hey, let's leave that one for Cynthia. (laughs) Already. We all have our, our areas of expertise, and that's the beauty of it. We do not all have to be experts on the same exact things. This is true. 
Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40% lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high-quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein. So I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. All right. So our first question is from Layla and Layla. She is actually the person who guessed it was going to be Cynthia. Oh, really? That's so funny. Uh-huh. uh-huh. She's in that group. She's... <laughs> Wow, this was meant to be. Isn't that funny? That is a coincidence. It wasn't planned at all. I mean, this episode literally, ju- I mean, this um, question literally just came in. You can tell when I read it that it just came in. But so the subject is Avalon X timing, B12, vegetarian. 
Layla says, good morning, lovely ladies. I have a question about Avalon X serapeptase, B12, and vegetarianism. I've been fasting for three years. April 6th is my fast-aversary. Hooray. And my fast links have run the gamut over that time. I've done lots of window timings and fast links, including a couple month-long rounds of ADF, and have settled into 24 fairly nicely at this point, with some longer fasts sprinkled throughout every once in a while. At my lowest weight, I was 157 pounds. I'm five foot four, so while that's not my ideal size yet, it's a significant loss as I started at 272 pounds with deadly inflammatory markers and was always so tired I'd doze off on my commute home and could never enjoy evenings with my sons because I would need to go to bed. And I'm going to say something about Layla here. You know, I've been following her progress. She actually came on intermittent fasting stories a long time ago, but she is just solid muscle. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, she is. She is very, very strong. And, you know, even at 5'4", you would never guess. In a minute, she reveals that she's weighed in at 164. But she is just solid muscle. She's a great example of body recomposition and how, you know, you can be lean and very, very muscular. And the scale doesn't reflect, you know, that change in body composition. Anyway, I just have to throw that out there. She said, now I have boundless energy, run nearly every day, and I'm getting ready to begin a weightlifting program. And she's always done lots of stuff to build muscle, so I know that about her. She said, I've had a bit of stress recently. My mother is in her early 60s and has dementia so badly she's in a nursing home already, and I've had to take conservatorship over her, and I'm doing the same for one of my adult sons who has a brain injury. I weighed in this morning at 164 pounds. I can feel the thickness in my middle, so I'm attributing it to stress and increased cortisol at this point and just giving myself grace. My question is on supplement timing. I am a morning eater. I usually wake around 4 a.m., have a glass of water with one Avalon X serapeptase, and then drink my black coffee. First question, is it okay to have a cup of black coffee within minutes of taking the serapeptase? I know the supplement is coated in a way that makes it open in the intestines, and I wonder if I'm speeding up the opening before it reaches my intestines by drinking coffee with it. Do you want to just answer that first? Yes. So this is a great question, and also I'm glad she brought this up because it's something to clarify because I've been talking historically a lot. So so backtracking really quickly, serapeptase is the my first supplement that I launched with my Avalon X line with MD Logic. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. You take it in the fasted state, it breaks down problematic proteins. So it can really help your body with anything where there is your body responding to these problematic proteins. So that's why it can help clear allergies, reduce brain fog, enhance wound healing, help reduce inflammation. Studies have shown it may reduce even cholesterol and amyloid plaque. Serapeptase is not the same thing as natokinase, but that's another enzyme that people often take that's very similar. And I was reading a book last night. Oh, I think Jen, I told you, did I tell you that I actually finally booked the fiber-fueled guy? Oh, I love him. Will, whose last name I can't pronounce. It starts with a B. It's long. It has a W and a Z. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I love him, though. He's also now on the board of Zoe. Did you know that? That's actually how I was able to lock him down. And he lives in Charleston. I, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to interview him. I, I Yeah, I was thinking of you because I remember you were a huge fan of his book. 
he was talking about natokinase in his book, and he was pointing out how natokinase has all of these like anti-inflammatory, anti-hypertensive, cholesterol-reducing, all of these different things. And he was saying it's sort of like, and he listed all these pharmaceuticals. And I'm not saying serapeptase is a pharmaceutical, but he was like saying how natokinase was sort of like, you know, a statin and aspirin and heparin and all these different things all in one, which is an interesting way to think about it. But in any case, so back to serapeptase, which actually is appropriate that we're talking about that because that was also one of the other like uncanny weird things that Jen and I connected on in the beginning. Like what are the odds, Jen, that... Well, I know. I had never... One person recommended it to me when I was talking about having fibroids. I think this is in my very first Facebook group. I mentioned it. And it was just really, there were just a few of us in there. And so we were talking about like personal stuff before the group got big. And she's like, oh, serapeptase helps with with fibroids. I'm like, oh, I'd never even heard of it. So I'm like, well, let me try it. And I started taking it. And what's crazy is Jen was sort of self-proclaimed, like not big on supplements. Where me, I was into all the biohacking and lots of supplements. But it was my one go-to supplement that I've been probably taking the longest. And it was one of the only, if the only supplement that Jen was taking. I think I remember the moment on the podcast when we realized that, where I mentioned it. I remember where I was sitting. It's crazy. So in any case, the thing that I need to clear up was I have been saying that the serapeptase needed a enteric coating to reach the small intestine so that it can properly be absorbed because it is a very delicate enzyme and it will be destroyed in the stomach acid. And that is correct, sort of. (laughs) The caveat is that enteric coatings, because you have two options, you can use an enteric coating or you can use an acid-resistant capsule. Enteric coatings often have problematic plastics and things in them that you don't want. And I promise you, when you look at your supplement, if it says enteric coating, it normally doesn't say what that enteric coating is made out of. So I avoid enteric coatings. And our Avalon X uses an acid-resistant capsule. But to answer your question, Layla, coffee is completely fine. So coffee is actually... Oh, this is a good question for you, Jen. Do you know the pH of coffee? I cannot remember which are higher acids or bases. So I know seven is the pH of water. So I'm going to guess it's it's going to be either direction. I can't remember which way is acid, which way is base, but I'm going to say it's either a five or an eight. So higher numbers are bases, lower numbers are more acidic. That's what I was thinking, but I wasn't certain. So then I'm going to guess that it it is a six, but I could be totally wrong. That's just my hunch. You're closer before it's a, a five. You said five the first time, yeah. Oh, that's what I meant. You're actually closer than me. I actually thought it was going to be more acidic. I thought it was going to be like a four or a three. Well, because we tend to like think things are like way worse than they are. Because everybody's like, oh my God, coffee, it's so acidic. I'm like, it's not really that bad. Yeah. So even by itself, since the serapeptase is in an acid-resistant capsule, the coffee, because it is acidic, it's actually going to make the capsule not break down. (laughs) And then on top of that, Once the stomach hits your stomach acid, which is much more acidic, your stomach acid is around a pH of three. So when you take the serapeptase with the coffee and your stomach acid, it will actually keep the capsule from breaking down. And then when it reaches the small intestine, which is alkaline, it will open up there. So you are good. You're good. Awesome. All right. You ready for me to keep reading? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. In addition to serapeptase, I also take a vegan B12 supplement. The brand is Live Conscious, and it is 100% 
Methylcobalamin. I don't know how you say that. Can you say that, Melanie? Methylcobalamin. There you go. I've never heard anybody say that. But when you said it, that sounded just right. I'm just going to leave it there. B12. 5,000 micrograms per one milliliter. Layla, thank you for making me say all these hard things. (laughs) The ingredients are water, glycerin, and organic citrus extract. Barely a hint of flavor, but I'm well-versed in the clean fast and understand the citrus extract breaks my fast. So I take it about an hour or two after the serapeptase, then wait about 30 minutes before eating my meal. I know that's a lot of details, but I'm wondering a couple of things. Do you think I need to wait 30 minutes after I take it to eat? I've heard it's water-soluble, and I should, but there are no directions on the bottle. It's sublingual liquid. I'm around 18 hours fasted when I start my workouts and hit 20 by the time I'm finished and showered for work. I don't think you need to wait an entire 30 minutes, especially if it's sublingual. So if it's sublingual, it's supposed to be absorbing under your tongue. And if there aren't directions on the bottle, I would not stress about it too much. All right. She said, I've also battled psoriasis for 20 years, which has significantly reduced with a plant-based diet, but I do get flares, particularly after eating highly refined flours from conventional bakeries and sugar. I'm trying to bake more at home with almond flour, and that tends to help, although I'm wondering about the whole grains and links to psoriasis. I've also read that nightshade vegetables can cause flares, but haven't figured out which it is for me yet. I have not done an elimination protocol yet to find out, as I am one who can fall right back into restrictive diet mentality at the drop of a hat. So I try to be very careful in my approach to things. So fortunately, elimination protocols really can be game changers if you're trying to pinpoint a food that's not working for you. I think what's really important to understand here, because I understand that you have a tendency to fall back into restrictive diet mentality. So I think if you are able to step back, find an elimination protocol that you want to follow, and there are a lot of different ones out there, I like Dr. Will Cole's protocol. He wrote The Inflammation Spectrum. I've had him on my show for that book. You could check that out. But there are a lot of ones. You can just Google like AIP protocol and follow that. But maybe if you step back and give it a timeline, and this is the good thing about it. So I think a lot of people will try elimination protocols pretty casually, and they'll just think, I'm going to do an elimination protocol. I'm going to remove these foods, and then I'm going to reintroduce them. And by not giving it a timeline and giving it specifics, it can make it seem like a more ongoing restrictive diet mentality that you might be jumping into compared to a plan that has a beginning, it has an end, it has a reintroduction protocol, and it's very specific and it's not meant to be forever. And so I think if you can separate that in your mind, that doing an elimination protocol, because this is the purpose of elimination protocols, because people often We'll do elimination diets with this restrictive diet mentality and get stuck there and can't come back out. And it's the very issue that you're talking about. That's not the way it's meant to be. It's supposed to be a a flashlight (laughs) and to show you where you're having your issues. I do want to emphasize too that I think a lot of people don't properly do the reintroduction period. So they'll do the elimination and then they'll, again, sort of casually approach how to do the reintroduction. But In all the different protocols, it's very specific. Like you're supposed to reintroduce one thing at a time. It it depends on who you're following, but you know, one thing at a time, you give it a certain amount of 
like days, you look for symptoms. Amy Myers has a really good protocol as well. We'll put links to all of this in the show notes. Yeah, JJ Virgin has a great one. The Virgin Diet. That was like one of the original, if not the original elimination protocol. Oh, okay. Awesome. I heard her talking about it last week. And I think she was one of the very first that actually had like a book out there about how to do it, you know, for, I'm not saying that like, you know, doctors hadn't been doing it, but yeah, the virgin diet. So we'll put a link to all of those. So Layla, I encourage you to, you know, look around, pick one and then tell yourself it's not like a diet. This is not a thing I'm going to be doing for life. This is a very specific protocol to find the foods that are your flares for your autoimmune conditions and psoriasis. And I just want to clarify because psoriasis is considered to be autoimmune. I honestly don't know that there's an alternative. If your goal is to find the foods that are causing this, there's not really any other way to do that. Other than an elimination protocol. Yep. Any other thoughts about that? No, I think just the whole idea that it is not. Layla is somebody who can fall into restrictive diet mentality. I've seen her do it, and I've also seen her come back out of it. So the thing to keep in mind is that you're not doing it as a diet. You're doing it for science. Just like when we did Zoe, we did it for science. And we weren't, you know, like when you ate the muffins, you ate them for science. I was just about to say it's like Zoe. It's just a little bit, a little bit slightly longer. You're not manipulating what you're eating for the point of trying to lose weight. You're manipulating what you're eating. Like I'm not going to eat these foods and I'm going to see how my body reacts. So it's it's nothing diety about it, really. I mean, I know a lot of people use elimination diets to try to lose weight, but that would not be at all the purpose here. All right, so. She says, one last question about Avalon X. Was hoping to take a second pill later in the day. I mentioned I had deadly high inflammatory markers in the beginning of my journey. And while they were perfect a year ago when I tested, it's probably time to test them again. How long after I eat is it safe to take it again? I've been waiting around six hours. I'm usually done eating by noon most days, so 6 p.m. or so feels okay. I do sometimes have to take melatonin, however, so if I take serapeptase at 6 p.m., is it safe to take a melatonin shortly after? Yes, six hours will definitely be fine, Layla. The recommendation on our website is actually to wait two hours. <laughs> so you'll be good. Of course, the longer you wait, probably the better, but you should be good. And listeners, if you have questions, we actually have an FAQ all for this. Just go to avalonx.us slash FAQ. All right. So finally, she said, Jen knows me in real life. Ha. So she's probably rolling her eyes at me right now saying, oh, Layla. Now, I'm not rolling my eyes, Layla. <laughs> Look, I love all the kids in the classroom, even the one with a lot of questions. I love the one with a lot of questions. So Layla says, I know, I know, figuring out all the things. Ha ha. Anyway, love you both. I've listened to every episode of this show, and you've been my sisters, confidants, teachers, and friends through this journey, and it has been a wild ride trying all the things. I've done Zoe, then served as their first retest subject. I've tried using a glucometer, had a breath ketone meter. I've done red light, infrared sauna, all the things. I have appreciated and trusted your expertise throughout the entire process, and am still here going strong and muscling through my little setbacks here and there. Thank you for all you do, and I am anxiously awaiting your response. Thank you. Layla from Iowa. Awesome. Well, 
Thank you, Layla. That sort of brings everything full circle with her sign off at the end there. It really does. It really does. And, you know, all the things. Layla is an experimenter. She's very much about her study of one. And she's a biohacker. <laughs> and she wants to do it right. You heard all those questions. So, All right. So one more question. I wanted to end with a question that was sort of the spirit of gin. This is a gin question. The subject is delaying certain foods. So Julie says, hi, ladies, I found your podcast very early on in my IF journey, and it has been such a help to me, especially learning about the clean fast. I started in June, 2019, and within about two months had lost around 21 pounds in weight. I then went on holiday, put on a few pounds, and since then have been losing and regaining the same five to six pounds. I knew my window was getting longer and I was having more two meal a days than one meal a days. So switching things up again a couple of weeks ago, managing to go around 19 to 21 hours fasting and having a window of between two to five hours. So one meal a day, five out of the seven days. Still no weight loss, no more shrinking or getting smaller. In fact, my IBS, which initially got better, seems to have gotten worse and I am bloated and experiencing intense cravings for sweet things. I'm so disappointed as this seemed to get easier at first, but now it is very challenging. I wonder if I need to delay sugar and or highly refined carbs until I lose some more weight and get rid of this GI distress, but I'm fearful that this will just bring back the diet mentality, which I have been so pleased to have shrugged off for the first time in 30 years. I'm 50 and just going through perimenopause, so I feel hormonal a lot of the time, which doesn't help with the sweet cravings. Am I expecting too much of the fasting, expecting to lose weight, get smaller while still eating so much junk during my window? I need you to tell me straight if I can't have my cake and eat it. Thanks, Julie. Well, Julie, we do not need to tell you straight because your body is telling you straight. So no matter what I say or Melanie says, your body is telling you that what you're doing right now is not working for you. Here's how you know it. You're not losing weight. Your IBS has gotten worse. You're more bloated and your cravings are intense. So your body is sending you very powerful signals that what you're doing right now is not working well for your body. Now, there's something in there that is really important, and I'm glad you included it, that you're 50 and that you're in perimenopause right now. I'm going to be honest with you. Our bodies change when we go through this very important hormonal change of life. And if you could, you know, quote, get away with, unquote, I, you know, I don't know if that sounds kind of diety, but what we could do when we were younger is not what we could do as we get older. That is true. And, you know, we can like complain about it all we want, but it is just a fact that as our bodies change, we have to respond to these changes. So, like, I really had to change the amount of alcohol I drink now versus before. I used to be just fine having a glass of wine every day and then sleeping great. Now my hormones are different. I can't do that. So I'm not mad about it. I just accept it. You have to accept that your body is changing. So you talked about, you used the words junk. Ultra-processed foods really are not ideal for our bodies. You know, if you haven't read Cleanish, you may want to take a look at that and just see. You know, I understand you want to bring back diet mentality, but that's assuming that if you get rid of what you call junk, that everything else is just like gross food and you don't want to eat. But that is where you need to shift your mindset. 
Because once you start shifting towards real food, that stuff that you're calling junk, the sugar and the highly refined carbs that you're talking about that you said you're eating a lot of, those things are not as appealing once you really start eating real foods and feel good. And the key is eat real foods that are delicious. You eat real foods that are delicious. That's not dieting. That's not diet mentality. That's nourishing your body. That's eating like a grown-up because you know your body needs those nutrients. Does that mean you can never have sugar or ultra-processed foods again? Of course not. But if you know that that is making up a huge amount of what you're eating, you know, if if you had a, a small child in your life, you wouldn't just feed it that junk. You would nourish that child. So nourish yourself the same way you would nourish a child. And and feed feed yourself nutritious foods that you love, that are delicious. You're not going on a diet. You're eating to respond to what will make you feel better. You want to get rid of that bloating, get rid of all that intense craving. That's what I would recommend. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us, and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, literally every single day of my life. I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near-infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near-infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near-infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. 
complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash IF podcast and use the coupon code IF podcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's J O O V V dot com forward slash IF podcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, I think that's great. And I I think it speaks to one of, I think, the biggest, I don't know if it's a misconception or it's an association that people make that is a very small, subtle nuance, but it's so profound. And it's that people think that saying no to foods because they are dieting or they want to lose weight is the same thing as saying no to foods that because they don't make them feel well. That that if you are restricting foods, that it's always the exact same mentality or reasoning behind it. And that's just not true. Like Layla said, she mentioned that she didn't want to get in diet mentality with an elimination protocol. Same exact thing, but that that's not what it is. Like it's it's so common. And I think what it is, it's more of a triggering situation than it than being the same thing. So people who have dieted before, it looks the same on the outside to not eat a food. <laughs> you know, so if you're not eating a food for whatever reason, because you want to lose weight or because it doesn't make you feel good objectively from the outside, it's like, oh, I'm not eating this. I can't have this food or I'm not eating this food. So it can trigger the reasons for not eating food that are not the same reasons now. So not eating a food because you want to lose weight and feel like you can't have the food and the food has morality and you're a bad person if you eat it. And if you eat it, you'll gain weight. That's an entirely different mindset and reasoning than not eating a food because it makes you feel unwell because it's not doing good things for your body. So choosing not to eat foods that don't make you feel well and don't support you nutritionally is not diet mentality. It's powerful is what it is. It's it's an empowering moment to say, like when I decided that French fries that I get at a restaurant make my stomach hurt, so I'm not going to eat them. That's me having the power to say, I don't want to have a stomach ache. Yeah. Actually, this is the thing that is similar between both of those. It's letting the food not have power over you. Right. You have the power. You're not dieting. You're you're helping your body feel good. Exactly. So I feel like there are a few different like big misconceptions out there. And I think this is one of them. I think I think one would be this we could do a whole episode on this. Like one would be um that you have to be low carb to lose weight. I think this would be one. There's quite a few. Well, I think that was a great question for us to end with. I have it's been a great episode. And again, thank you so much, Melanie, for everything. Likewise. So for listeners, if you'd like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. Again, if you would like to receive the first episode of this show ever, send a screenshot of your old iTunes review or new review Just make sure that the review includes what you are looking forward to or excited to experience with Cynthia coming on board. Oh, yes, the timeline of that really quick for listeners. Next episode is going to be a very special episode with actually my partner, Scott, at MD Logic. We're going to answer actually a lot of questions about 
the Avalonics line and serapeptase and the upcoming magnesium and all of those things. So it's sort of like an intermission. And then the episode after that will be Cynthia on board. So Jen, thank you so much for the past five years. This has been such an incredible, beautiful, amazing journey. I'm so grateful. A hundred percent. Right back at you. I'm grateful for our friendship, for this show. And obviously... The good thing is, it's like, we'll still be here. So we'll still be friends and we'll still be talking. And maybe we can bring you on in the future for a guest episode. <laughs> maybe. I'll be open to that. <laughs> I will not say no. I will not say never. <laughs> but yeah, y'all can, everybody can still find me on Intermittent Fasting Stories or the Life Lesson Podcast. If you really want to know what I'm doing in life, Life Lessons is where to get it. <laughs> All right. Signing off. The show notes for everything will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 264. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. Theme music by Leland Cox. See you next week.